This is the intersection. The intersection. This is the Intersection Podcast, recorded Thursday, the 22nd of March, 2018. Episode 31, Delete Facebook. The Intersection Podcast is only made possible through the support of its listeners and sponsors. If you have a product or service that you feel may appeal to our audience, please contact sponsor at intersectioncast.com. Hello and welcome to The Intersection, the podcast that bridges together the worlds of tech and pop culture. And it's been a while since our last episode, but we're we're back, we're definitely back, and thanks for joining us again. Um, I wanted to talk this week really about uh, the week of hell that uh, Facebook seemed to uh, be going through. Um, and you've most likely heard this on the news. There is um, a scandal, a, a privacy scandal, um, to do with Facebook uh, and Facebook's use of data uh, that it, it has been harvesting on, on its users. Um, and essentially um, how this data has got out there and it's been exploited by um, a certain organisation uh, f- not exactly for the greater good. So um, I, I, I'll talk a little bit about that, and I'm not sure what you've heard. I will go on an assumption that you've not heard much at all, or it's all rather confusing because it's a bit of a convoluted tale. Um, but first of all, to give it a bit of context, um, we need to describe one of the players involved, and that is uh, Cambridge Analytica. Now, Cambridge Analytica, in short, um, is a company that offers services to businesses and political parties who want to, quote unquote, change audience behavior. Right. So what they do is they analyze data and about people and they exploit that data so that um, businesses and organizations can influence those people. Now, that might sound a little bit um, a little bit shady to you, um, but that's perfectly legal and that's essentially how they work. So that's not the problem here. I mean, organizations like that have always existed and there has been talk that this organizations had ties to um, Donald Trump's um, campaign, Erwin's campaign for presidency. Um, and, you know, like I said, this is not particularly unusual. The reason why this has become an issue is um, due to the events of, I think, around last weekend. Okay, so around last weekend, we had a whistleblower, a whistleblower from that very organisation, Cambridge Analytica, who um, came out with um, a startling revelation. Now, one of the um, one of the, one of the the, the main names uh, being mentioned in this whole scandal is uh, a guy called uh, Christopher Wiley. And um, Christopher Wiley is um, essentially a young guy, a, mil- a millennial, um, and um, who apparently is one of the founders of uh, Cambridge Analytica. So um, according to what the newspapers have been saying, um, he helped set up the uh, the organization when he was 23 years old. And he's essentially the whistleblower. So, you know, his comments are that he feels a sense of regret every day where he sees where they 
the organization, Cambridge Analytica, has helped take the world. Now, he then elaborates. Now, this 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 was this story sort of broke in in um, the Observer, uh, so the UK paper, and the New York Times, sort of last weekend. And what the what the um, the revelation is is that um, Cambridge Analytica have have essentially been harvesting the private information of over 50 million Facebook users. So it's 50 million profiles. They've been harvesting data about these users, um, what these users like, what these users dislike, the, their friends, etc. This information has been collected and exploited without their permission. So without the users knowing. Now that 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 is alarming. And the more we sort of um, dig into this tale, the more convoluted and, and shocking it, it gets. So bear with me. Right, so you're probably wondering how on earth did Cambridge Analytica get this, this information, get this data for so many Facebook users? Well, um, fast forward to a chap called Alexander Coogan. Okay, so that name is probably being banded around the media right now, Alexander Coogan. And um, this chap is essentially a, um, a psychologist, um, University of Cambridge psychologist, who essentially developed a personality prediction application, right, masquerading as a Facebook type quiz. So um, this application um, was available um, to users on Facebook, as many are, um, little interactive things to do when people are sort of on sort of casually browsing and mindlessly browsing Facebook and this little thing masqueraded as a quiz and the quiz was called um, is this um, sorry this is your digital life okay this is your digital life and um, essentially the way it worked is it would ask um, a series of questions um, and users would answer okay straightforward users will answer the questions and um apparently about 270,000 um, users data uh, was collected using this application now the issue is that um the users didn't really know it wasn't clear what the um what the um, intent of this application was OK, so when you have a Facebook application, typically it's asking you before you can use it. Typically, it's going to ask you, do you give this application permission to access your profile? And, you know, you would mindlessly, we've all done it, you'd mindlessly say, yeah, OK, why not? Why not? Who cares? Let's just, let's just play this little quiz. Let's play this game. Um, and so that's what the user did. The user um, gave information such as um, their home city which is obviously on their, on, on their profile, um, the content that they had liked in the past. Now, this could be a number of things. This could be videos. This could be news articles, etc. Um, and also information about their friends and their contacts. Now, this is how 270,000 users quickly grows. Because you are giving up information about your friends. You are starting off a chain reaction and you are gathering a heck of a lot more data than you initially thought. Right. So um, this apparently um, was a breach of Facebook's policies. And, you know, Facebook, have, have, you know, put their foot down and suspended this Coogan's account. But, you know, 
too, a too little too late, I think, um, because he has gone on record saying that he didn't realise he was violating anything and it was all perfectly legal on Facebook. Um, but the idea was um, to predict the personality of a user uh, by gathering all this information. So, how then could this be used? Well, um, this was essentially sold to Cambridge Analytica. So this data that was gathered through this kind of false quiz and seemingly, I would imagine, harmless at the time quiz was um, sold to Cambridge Analytica. And this is the scandal. The scandal is that Facebook have been so haphazard with allowing um, that the data of its users to be exploited in such a way that it can be passed from one person, one person's application, to what some would describe as a shady organisation and then used to manipulate things such as political campaigns and targeted advertising. All of this happens behind the scenes. All of this happens... Um, you know, without the knowledge of those whose data has been passed around. They, they are totally oblivious as to what is going on. Now, what makes this worse? I mean, as I mentioned before, um, so the application, so Kogan's application, his quiz, um, was, was, was only, only collected the, the, the data, the profiles of 270,000 people, which is, which is a lot of people. I say only, but nonetheless, it was 270,000 people. Now, what you might be asking is, but the press is saying that there are 50 million user profiles um, that have been exploited and the data has been harvested. Well, absolutely, because as I explained before, those 270,000 people have friends. And in giving this application um, access to their profile, they've essentially sacrificed their friends' information as well. So then you've got information about what your friends have said and what your friends have liked. And, and, you know, and suddenly that number grows. So now it's grown to roughly 50 million profiles, 50 million people. Now, if you can manipulate and influence 50 million people, you can definitely make things happen in this world so um what makes it worrying and quite scary is that there's no real way of knowing if your facebook data is involved in this scandal because even if you have no idea what this quiz is you've never heard of it never participated in any quiz whatsoever in facebook there is a chance that someone you know has and inadvertently has shared some of your information now as soon as the story broke um, Facebook was on on, on the de on the defense, so they, they they were being very defensive. They were saying that um, you know Facebook takes this very seriously. As far as they are concerned, they as an organization have done nothing wrong and have not misused their users' data or been careless with their users' data. That um, as I mentioned before, the application that was actually um, developed by um, um, Dr. Coogan of uh, Cambridge um, University, Dr. Alexandra Coogan, um, was a breach of Facebook's terms and conditions. He was surprised about that, but nonetheless, Facebook um, essentially closed his account. So his account's been closed. Um, and, and, and he's been, you know, 
banned from Facebook. And they've also done the same thing um, with Cambridge Analytica and came and in particular the whistleblower, Christopher Wiley. So again, his account was closed immediately. Facebook are claiming there has been a breach of uh, the terms and conditions of their service and, and utilization of data. Now, um, like I said, many, many can argue that um, this is too little, too late. Um, and, you know, you've got one side saying, as far as they're concerned, they haven't breached anything. They were never um, told that they, or, or, you know, it was never suggested that they were breaching anything. Um, and the other side saying, absolutely, they, they've broken the rules and we make an example out of people who break the rules. Now, this is where it gets even more interesting. The general argument is that Facebook um, have a responsibility or should have a moral responsibility to be more careful with its its users, its members' data, right? They, they have that responsibility. And many, in, 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 in the wake of all this, have asked Facebook, how exactly did the profile information of 50 million users of their service end up in the hands of one organisation, Cambridge Analytica, without anyone knowing? Okay, straightforward question. Facebook then admit that actually they knew about this in 2015. Yes, they knew about this in 2015 um, and they were aware of um, data being misused, um, but um, they were under the impression that Cambridge Analytica had deleted the user data. Now, this is one part where I'm not sure whether it, it's Cambridge Analytica or whether it's uh, this Kogan chap, this Kogan chap who developed the, um, you know, the uh, the um, the personality quiz um, application or whatever you want to call it. Um, but they were under the impression that they had asked for that data to be to be deleted in 2015. And so they, as far as they were concerned, they were satisfied that it had been deleted. So a little bit of a slap, around, slap, slap on the wrist and the problem should go away, right? Absolutely not. Um, because only now, you know, like I said, only now they have actually suspended um, the accounts of the players involved. Um, and this action was only taken like a day before you know, the, the, this this story broke. So they obviously caught wind of what was going on, what was going to be reported and exposed in the press, and they only took that action a day before. So that was Friday last. And they claimed they knew about this issue in 2015. Hmm. Um, so you still with me? <laughs> okay, so... Um, so what happened after that? Lots of things happened after that. Um, but obviously, um, Cambridge Analytica want to do a bit of damage control. Um, and so its board suspended its chief executive, whose name is Alexander Nix. That's another name you might have heard involved in this. Um, so that, so that chap was, um, that chap was basically, um, fired on Tuesday. Now, why did that happen? That happened because the press did a bit more digging. And what the press discovered um, was that several senior executives um, within Cambridge Analytica said that they had um, such power that they were able to use bribes and ex-spies and fake IDs, honey traps and all, all sorts, all sorts, to, all sorts to um, influence elections worldwide. So they had data and that data was 
with having that data, there was that they had great power, and they were basically using it for evil. To cut a, sto a long story short, um, and how this is related to Donald Trump is, um, I mean, essentially the, the, the Trump campaign used um, the services of Cambridge Analytica, and um, what was admitted or what was alluded to uh, was that um, damaging information about a political rival. Uh, can be used to influence um, users. Now, um, if that information is true and accurate, then I would say tough on that individual. And you know what? Well, fair enough. They should be exposed. However, when it is complete fiction and it can still influence an election, that is reason for concern. And the issue is, so this chap again, um, this, this executive within Cambridge Analytica, um, Alexander Nix, so one of the things he boasted about um, was, and he claimed, was that he orchestrated, um, you know, some of, the, some of the stories about Hillary Clinton. So during, during the Trump campaign, there was a lot of stories, a lot of false stories um, about Hillary Clinton. Um, and if you remember, um, the FBI opened an investigation again in the middle of the campaign, that damaged her campaign, I feel. And then they realised after investigating again, oh, actually, she's done nothing wrong. So there's a lot of false stories and a lot of, um, um, you know, slogans, negative slogans, like, you know, Donald Trump still likes to say crooked Hillary, etc. So this, this chap, Alexander Nix, claims that he orchestrated all of that and the entire viral campaign and knew exactly what type of people to target in terms of spreading false and negative stories about, in this case, Hillary Clinton in order to, to influence the US election. And there's an example here. Um, so, like I said, Donald Trump's campaign utilised the services of Cambridge Analytica, and that's absolutely fine. Um, using them, you know, using spin doctors or, or, or whatever to, to, to target um, potential voters is in itself absolutely fine. Um, here's an example, though. So there was a, um, an ad targeting technique that they used for Trump's campaign. Um, and there's a Miami, uh, a district in Miami um, called Little Haiti, right? Little Haiti. And the way the campaign targeted that community, okay, was to um, spread news about um, the failure of the Clinton Foundation. Um, now, so the Clinton Foundation is essentially um, a non-profit organization set up by Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, and I think the daughter Chelsea's involved as well. Um, so it's a non-profit organization to, um, I think their slogan is to improve global health and wellness. So global affairs, yeah, world affairs, um, and to do good for the world, essentially, is, is what they claim to do. Anyway, so that's by the by. Um, the point is that story was essentially spread that the foundation did absolutely nothing to um, help the uh, Haitians after the, the earthquake, right? So in spreading a story like that, um, you were going to, and targeting, deliberately targeting um, Haitians or, you know, who, who happen to live in America now, 
in a specific community in America, in, in Miami, to target them with these and bombard them with these negative stories is to essentially to stir up anger. They, they stir up anger. They're angry at Hillary Clinton. The name Clinton, the foundation did nothing to help their people. So they go and vote for Donald Trump. Now, people say that it's this type of um, targeted um, campaigning and using sort of not quite true, false, exaggerated, very um, biased news reporting that sort of brought Donald Trump to power and it was totally unexpected. No one, no one, no one thought he would win that election, to be fair. Um, so, like I said, that's how Cambridge Analytica do their business. That's how they, they, they cast their magic, so to speak. And so actually what I'll do is I'll, I'll play a clip of, of the whistleblower, uh, Christopher Wiley, and you can hear from, you know, his, his own mouth, his own words, exactly how that organization worked and to what extent that organization could really influence um, democracies around the world. Are you accusing Cambridge Analytica of planting fake news? Absolutely. Cambridge Analytica comes from a company called SCL, which is a London-based military contractor that works in something called information operations. Um, all of that, that knowledge and insight was transplanted into Cambridge Analytica to apply on the, the American electorate. If you start to warp the perception of voters without their consent or knowledge, they, you, that is a fundamental denial of their agency and autonomy to make a free, inf a free choice in, in when they're voting because they are voting on things that they think are real but aren't necessarily true. We got approached by a professor at the University of Cambridge, mm -hmm. Alex Kogan, and he presented a solution to us which was an application that he had uh, on Facebook that got special permission to collect uh, data not just of the user. So if you join the app, it didn't just collect your Facebook data, but it went and crawled through all of your friends' data and pulled all of that data also whenever you join the app. So that meant that if we got um, you know, one person to join the app, we got around you know, 150, 200 friends uh, profiles with that. And so if you imagine you, know, you get one, two, three, that all adds up really quickly and that scaled really fast. And so what we did is we then took that data and related it to survey responses that the app users had also filled out and to look at relationships between how you answer on a psychological survey and what your Facebook profile says. And then that allowed us to then go through the rest of the friends data and uh, make uh, uh, inferences about the psychological uh, profile of each person in their, in their friends network based on their likes. If I was filling out the app, uh, filling out the survey on the app and I joined the app and you were my friend, you would, you would not know that this app has just pulled your Facebook data. Imagine sitting and you're, you're going online and you start seeing this blog here or this news site here, which looks kind of credible. You've never heard of it before, but I'm going to go and check that out. And, 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 and you start to see all over the place uh, all these stories that you aren't seeing in mainstream media. And then you start to question, why isn't it that mainstream media isn't talking about these like insane stories that I'm seeing all over the place? And then you establish distrust. And once they stop trusting the institutions, you know, the media being one of them, you've now captured them. And, and the reason that's important is because if I'm starting to think about things 
and I'm starting to see things that aren't necessarily the reality of the situation, I am now behaving in a way um, that is fundamentally different to, to, to if I had known that this is, this is fake, right? And, and when you think about um, what, is, what is democracy and, and, and what is necessary for a functioning democracy, we need to at least have agreement on what is real before we can have any kind of you know, ideological debate. If, we, if we're living in different realities, we can't talk to each other because we aren't seeing or hearing any of the same things. Just because you don't see this on the internet doesn't mean that it's not happening because that's literally what targeting is about. You don't see it, this person sees it, this person sees it, but you don't. It was this Facebook data that became the foundation of the algorithms that then you know, Cambridge Analytica built his company on. And that's the sort of influence and that's the sort of power that they have. They have these profiles of people. They know who exactly to target, who to manipulate in terms of running an advertising campaign or in terms of aggregating a very carefully selected um, you know, collection of news items and news stories. Now, that in itself, that practice is a little bit shady, a little bit dishonest, not illegal. It's how they obtained the data, which is the issue. How our data, I mean, we could be included. 50 million people is being, you know, passed around without us knowing. So it's that level of manipulation that is the issue. And the grievance that people have with Facebook is that they were careless with this data. They are careless with our data, with our information, that they allowed this to happen. Or rather it happened under their noses, but when they did realise it happened in 2015, they really didn't do much about it. So that, that's the main issue here. And hopefully that sheds a little light on what's going on. Now, I want to be completely fair, actually, because I've I've been quite critical about Facebook and I'm going to go elaborate on this a little bit further and, and probably be a lot more critical about Facebook and Facebook's users. But um, I want to be fair because after a few days of silence, um, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg has actually released a statement um, explaining Facebook's side of this story and what Facebook has learnt and how things, how certain issues will be addressed in future. Now, it's quite lengthy, but in all interests of fairness, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read it out. OK, so this is Mark Zuckerberg's words um, posted on Facebook on, um, on Wednesday. And this is what he has to say. So he says, I want to share an update on the Cambridge Analytica situation, including the steps that we've already taken and our next steps to address this important issue. We have a responsibility to protect your data. And if we can't, then we don't deserve to serve you. I've been working to understand exactly what happened and how to make sure this doesn't happen again. The good news is that the most important actions to prevent this from happening again today, we've already taken years ago. But we also made mistakes. There's more to do and we need to step up and do it. Here's a timeline of the events. In 2007, we launched the Facebook platform with the vision that more apps should be social. Your calendar should be able to show your friends' birthdays, your map should show where your friends live, and your dress book should show their pictures. To do this, we enabled people to log into apps and share who their friends were and some information about them. 
In 2013, a Cambridge University researcher named Alexander Kogan created a personality quiz app. It was installed by around 300,000 people who shared their data as well as some of their friends' data. Given the way our platform worked at the time, this meant Coogan was able to access tens of millions of their friends' data. In 2014, to prevent abusive apps, we announced that we were changing the entire platform to dramatically limit the data apps could access. Most importantly, apps like Coogan's could no longer ask for data about a person's friend unless their friends had also authorised the app. We also required developers to get approval from us before they could request any sensitive data from people. These actions would prevent any app like Coogan's from being able to access so much data today. In 2015, we learnt from journalists at The Guardian that Coogan shared data from his app with Cambridge Analytica. It is against our policies for developers to share data without people's consent, so we immediately banned Coogan's app from our platform and demanded that Coogan and Cambridge Analytica formally certify that they had deleted all improperly acquired data. They provided these certifications. Last week, we learnt from The Guardian, The New York Times and Channel 4 that Cambridge Analytica may not have deleted the data as they had certified. We immediately banned them from using any of our services. Cambridge Analytica claims that they have already deleted the data and has agreed to a forensic audit by a firm we hired to confirm this. We're also working with regulators as they investigate what happened. This was a breach of trust between Coogan, Cambridge Analytica and Facebook, but it was also a breach of trust between Facebook and the people who share their data with us and expect us to protect it. We need to fix that. In this case, we already took the most important steps a few years ago, in 2014, to prevent bad actors from accessing people's information in this way. But there's more we need to do, and I'll outline those steps here. First, we will investigate all apps that had access to large amounts of information before we changed our platform to dramatically reduce data access in 2014. And we will conduct a full audit of any app with suspicious activity. We will ban any developer from our platform that does not agree to a thorough audit. If we find developers that misuse personally identifiable information, we will ban them and tell everyone affected by those apps. That includes people whose data Coogan misused here as well. Second, we will restrict developers' data access even further to prevent other kinds of abuse. For example, we will remove developers' access to your data if you haven't used their app in three months. We will reduce the data you give an app when you sign in to only your name, profile photo and email address. We will require developers to not only get approval, but to also sign a contract in order to ask anyone for access to their posts or private data. And we'll have more changes to share in the next few days. Third, we want to make sure that you understand which apps you've allowed to access your data. In the next month, we will show everyone the tool at the top of your newsfeed with the apps that you've used and an easy way to revoke those apps' permissions to your data. We already have a tool to do this in your privacy settings. And we will now put this tool in the top of your newsfeed in order to make sure everybody sees it. Beyond the steps that we had already taken in 2014, I believe that these are the next steps that we must take to continue to secure our platform. I started Facebook at the end of the day. 
I'm responsible for what happens on our platform. I'm serious about doing what it takes to protect our community. While this specific issue involving Cambridge Analytica should no longer happen with new apps today, that doesn't change what happened in the past, and we will learn from this experience to secure our platform further and to make our community safer for everyone going forward. I want to thank all of you who continue to believe in our mission and work to build this community together. I know it takes longer to fix all these issues than we'd like, but I promise you that we'll work through this and build a better service over the long term. So that was Martin Zuckerberg's rather lengthy statement and and, and lengthy apology. Although I never heard the words, I'm sorry, um, in in, in that post. Um, So talk is cheap. Words are cheap. Words are nothing if not backed up with action. And my concern immediately is that is this just a reaction to Facebook being caught for being sloppy? Because like I said before, they were aware of this in 2015. And despite what Zuckerberg claims about um, certain promises being made, no change in policy was made then. No change in policy whatsoever in terms of the way um, organizations have access to your f- Facebook data, if you, you know, um, give them permission to, to access your profile. Um, no changes in terms of um, sort of being transparent about where how your data is being used, who's using it, where it's going. We're only hearing about this now. So, um, I, you know, like I said, I, I, I find talk cheap. And I'm wondering if, and that does certainly sound like a sincere apology, it does sound like Mark Zuckerberg is a fairly humble guy. He's sorry about this. He wants to move forward. He feels, you know, like it's his responsibility, his personal responsibility. He wants Facebook to have a good reputation and, and do good, etc. But you know what? Again, the cynic in me thinks, you know, Facebook has lost, in terms of market value, it's, it's lost $50, $50 billion. $50 billion. Its value has dropped by $50 billion at the time of recording this podcast 50 billion dollars that's insane and um it's it, they're hurting they are really really hurting and i hear stories that um google's value has dropped slightly in light of this scandal not because google's involved but because google um you know sort of collate data and and use data and sell data in in, in a very similar sort of manner um, and I think that this is just the tip of the iceberg. I, I, I mean, who is to say? I mean, the Cambridge Analytica um, situation, who, what, what gives us confidence that that was an isolated one-off um, situation, that there aren't other organisations out there, um, shady or otherwise, um, that have been harvesting data and manipulating people through usage of that data? Why should I believe that this is limited to one, one player? one organization i don't and i think this has been going on for a long time and i think now users need to wake up and be very wary about facebook and be very wary about their dependence on facebook and the amount of time they spend on it and the amount of information they disclose on it and the amount of their privacy that they they give up that they sacrifice just to use this what i think um is becoming a a redundant yeah, I said it. Redundant social network. Um, 
so while this is thought some very shady practices have gone down, um, Palmy thinks users have, have themselves to blame. They put themselves in such a vulnerable and dependent and dependent position where literally their world revolves around this this social network and they don't care as long as they see the latest the you know the latest photos or participate in the latest fad call it a, you know a, a personality quiz or whatever but do whatever their friends are doing and then so they can like it and, and get all sorts of um shallow and superficial gratification they don't think they don't think about what they're giving up they don't think about how the personal information can be used against them and not for the greater good in many ways i actually reject facebook's apology i i, re I reject mark zuckerberg's apology um because i find it disingenuous it sounds sincere but if, if you think about it if you take a moment to think about it i i, I think it's completely disingenuous um now how you know he implies that this happened accidentally that that mistakes were made um no one saw it coming none of this was accidental they were aware of this. We know at least that they were aware of this in 2015. Um, who's to say what else has been going on? And, and, you know, it makes you wonder why Facebook have taken its users for granted for so long. Um, you know, they have lots of smart people in that organisation. It's grown considerably since it was this, you know, this um, essentially um, a, a, a US college um, dating or uh, application or what have you. That's that's the reason why Zuckerberg built it. Apparently, if you believe those stories, it was just to, to um, hook himself up with girls on campus. But, um, you know, it, it, it's grown considerably. There's some very smart developers work for Facebook now. Really smart, dedicated people. And how can you not see something like this coming? If you're opening up people's profiles to such an extent, how can you not? Um, how, can you, how can you not see this coming? And so, no, I don't believe it, anything happened accidentally. I believe this is all to do with money, um, and, and particularly when Facebook um, sort of um, went public in in, in terms of um, you know, the stock market. Um, it it's all to do with money. Advertising is a big thing as well. Advertisers are freaking out over this scandal, by the way. Um, they're, they're, they're telling Facebook that enough is enough following this breach of data. Um, they are worrying that um, users um, will will have a lack of confidence in the platform and will um, subsequently leave the platform. And, and, that, and that creates a lot of fears for advertisers, advertisers who, who, use, who rely on Facebook to, to reach um, certain people, certain markets. Um, and obviously they don't want to be tarred with this as well. They don't want to be tarred with the fact that, okay, we advertise on Facebook. We don't want any part of uh, any association with the shady practices that are being, um, being exposed. Um, so no, you know, I, I, I think, you know, Facebook, it, it can't act sheepish and say, oh, shucks, we got caught, um, or, oh, shucks, we, we didn't mean for this to happen. No, you, you know, you have that power, and Facebook is far too powerful, I might add, far too powerful, and I've always thought that. You have that power, and with great power, to use a cliche, becomes great responsibility, and, and that's just not good enough. So, yeah, in terms of the advertisers, um, I think that's the reason behind the apology. Facebook are freaking out. Their value has dropped. Um, they've got it 
they've been summoned um, to uh, the UK, I believe. They've got to meet up with uh, the ISBA, apparently, which is a trade body that represents um, all major UK advertisers. Um, they got a meeting with um, a crisis meeting with Facebook later this week, if they haven't had it already. Um, so this is all about the bottom line, to be honest. I don't particularly think that Facebook care that much about their users, after all. Um, and, you know, an, a thing that is particularly worrying is when you think about it for a second. So this happened, this, this happened on Facebook, the main Facebook platform. Think of the other platforms that Facebook own, because Facebook have been, you know, a, a, a acquiring platforms after platforms and little, you know, little, little applications and little app developers. Um, they've been acquiring a lot um, with, with the money that they have. And if data has been harvested in, in, and exploited in this way using Facebook, what of their other platforms? And like I think of two that to be partic particularly concerned about. One is WhatsApp, owned by Facebook, and the other one is Instagram, owned by Facebook. And they don't want to stop. They want, you know, they get they want to expand. I hear they have their eye on Snapchat, and that's another very popular, um, you know, social network. Um, yeah. I think enough is enough, um, and I think um, and, and my call to action is, is not on Facebook, but it's on its users. I think it's time um, for people really to just just to wake up and and pay attention to what's going on. And this has been a very complex issue, and I hope I've simplified things a little bit by explaining some of the players involved and 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 and, and how this thing started. Um, but I think people really need to think very seriously about um, using um, social networks such as this when, I mean, what, what are you giving up in, in using it? I mean, it's useful. The number one thing I hear all the time is, oh, Facebook is great because I can keep in touch with family um, that I don't, uh, you know, from the other side of the globe. I can keep in touch with friends I don't always get a chance to see. Oh, I only use Facebook to, um, you know, just, to, to to see pictures of people and just 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 to be aware of what people are doing people i know you know everyone's got an excuse for using facebook everyone denies that they're a facebook addict everyone denies it but they always say oh i only use it because of abc and of course they know this they know this and people become dependent on it and to the point where facebook you know in the rare event it goes down for a day the site goes down they freak out you know see and people use facebook out of habit they, you know, their 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 hand, their hands are itching. You know, they got enough. They they're, they're sitting on a tube train, sitting on a bus, sitting in a meeting, even, and, you know, the hands are itching. What do I do? What do I do? I reach for the smartphone, go on Facebook just to see what's been posted since you know the last ten minutes ago when I last checked. Um, it it's become a way of life. It's become an addiction, and I've always always been. And I'm not no technophobe. Don't get me wrong. You know I'm no technophobe. But I've always been concerned with the amount of power that Facebook has, and with the amount of power that Mark Zuckerberg has, and how blind people are to use in this platform. And look what's happened now. I mean, I mean, like I said, you know, people. People have their excuses as to why they use it. I've said that several times, and 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 just the thoughts come to my head now that you know, um, people use it to keep in touch, but you could actually disappear and no one would notice. You know, people seem to think that um, followers on 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 Facebook really do equate to um, close friendships, and really they don't because what Facebook essentially is it's just a, it's just a digital grapevine. It's a source of gossip and I think unhealthy voyeurism. 
Um, and now what we've learned is that it, it's a source of fake news. It's extremely worrying, actually, because they were talking about this during the um, at the time uh, during the US campaign that um, and particularly when sort of fake news stories, false news stories were 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 coming through um, and, and being reported and shared between users on Facebook. Um, you know, no, no one um, checks for the accuracy um, the validity of the information being shared. You could literally write uh, an article about aliens abducting you in the morning and, and post it in the afternoon. It can be shared around and taken as gospel. You know, um, it's um, there. There is no. There's no filter. There. there there's. There's nothing. It, it. Everything gets shared, and everything gets commented upon, and everything gets liked, um, without any sort of thought whatsoever. Um, and you know, it. It. It's scary as well. It. It. It really is scary because there are plenty of people out there who rely on Facebook, on news stories that appear on in fa on Facebook feeds, on the, 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 the timeline or whatever you want to call it, things that people are, are sharing as their only source of news. So their source of news isn't, okay, you know what, I may check The Guardian, I may check the BBC, I may check whatever, even Fox News, if that if that's your, you know, you're so inclined, whatever, I'm not being biased between, um, biased, um, you know, any, with any sort of a news network or organisation, um, but um, people, there are plenty of people, and I know people, who rely on Facebook as the only source of news. And that is scary. That is extremely worrying. And that is a lot of power. And that's exactly why I think Facebook need to act more responsibly, considering the amount of power that they have. Um, and it's, um, you know, you could, um, there's, there's nothing is, is private. Nothing's private at all. So you can, depending on how has someone has, I would say, set up their profile, but how, how someone has not gone out of their way to secure their profile, you could not actively speak to someone in the real world and yet know everything about them. Everything about them, their life experiences, their movements, their tastes, what they're doing this weekend, where they, what restaurant they've checked on, into, they've gone on a date, where have they gone on a date, what have they ordered, what food have they ordered, Who, who's there with them. You can find all this out. In many cases, people mindlessly check themselves in to places and there's a map giving you directions as to where that person is. Oh, let's go stalk them. And look what happens. I've said it again. Look what happens. We This data is being harvested. It's being kept. It's being stored and it's, used, it's being used against us. People need to wake up. Facebook, it's time to go. And Facebook needs to go and go the way of MySpace. It, it's had its time. And, 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 and I think we need to be a lot more savvy now um, a lot more um, protective over our privacy and our personal information. That stuff is precious. We don't want it to be sold. Well, we don't want our profiles or, 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 or profiles about our personalities and our private lives to be sold and passed around without our knowledge. Who wants that? Um, you know, I, I, saw, I, I, I saw a worrying statistic, actually. Um, um, I was on TV. I can't remember where it came from. But they were saying that um, this, this is the UK, by the way. This, this is people in the UK. And they asked, um, so in light of the, um, in, in, in light of the, 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 the scandal, um, how many um, are still unwilling to close their Facebook accounts. In light of what's happening, in light of what we know, in light of what we know is being used against us, how many are unwilling, are still unwilling 
to consider, I think to consider closing their Facebook account. And that's a whopping 59%, by the way. 59%. People will cling on to Facebook and people will stick their fingers in their ears and ignore all of this that's going on. And I tell you what, though, I, I mean, it's terrible. This is terrible, right? But I tell you what's going to happen. People may have no choice but to open up their eyes because I believe that there's going to be the more investigations that are being done over the next few days, the next few weeks, there are going to be some shocking truths that will come out. Mark my words, we will be talking about this for a long time. But, you know, all, all the commentators on TV and stuff, they, 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 they kind of joke saying, oh, well, you know, I'm glad I'm old and past it because I don't use these things. But actually, I think that's wrong. I think that's incorrect. I don't think it's the millennials who use Facebook anymore, to be honest. I think they've moved on to things such as Snapchat. Um, I actually think it's the older generation who use Facebook blindly in particular. I think younger people are a little bit more savvy. Um, but older people, particularly when it comes to keeping in touch and this whole thing about voyeurism, keeping out, I want the neighbours up to, what well, what's such and such in who I know from, you know, you know, from work doing, or, you know, what, what, what's my family on the other side of the globe doing? I think it's the older generation who rely on Facebook a lot more. And I've certainly seen that, funnily enough, my own mother, who I wouldn't say is tech savvy at all, but... Everything happens on Facebook, right? I get told about something. Didn't you see it on Facebook? No, I didn't see it on Facebook. Such and such as, as has mentioned that um, their child's having a birthday party or there's some sort of event or gathering. I didn't get an invitation. Oh, no, it was announced. The invitations were sent through Facebook. So there is a heavy dependence on Facebook, particularly by the older generation. And I don't think many people talk about that because I think they... they especially when they are the least likely to be um, tech savvy when it comes to the way that data can be misused um, and, the, and the steps that you really should, have, should take to protect your privacy online. They're the ones I believe could be exploited the most. And the actual fact, thinking about it now, if you've got companies like Cambridge Analytica using this data to, to influence people, then those are the people who are essentially the most vulnerable. So, um, yeah, it's all very scary. It's all very worrying. And I've been suspicious. I've been suspicious about Facebook for a long time. There's been many conspiracy theories. There still are about Facebook and how Facebook uses um, uses data and, and in, in all sorts of shady ways behind the scenes. And th these are a few. Like I said, I don't have any evidence, but these are a few of the conspiracy theories there have been regarding Facebook. Now, the first one um, from Julian Assange, right? So Julian Assange has uh, gone on record and said that Facebook is the most appalling spy machine ever invented and claims that um, essentially Facebook is the world's most comprehensive database for US intelligence. And I've heard rumours that go one step further to say that Mark Zuckerberg, when starting up Facebook, um, um, you know, after well, while at college, when they wanted to expand it, because initially Facebook, you, you had to be, um, you know, from 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 his college to to register, and then that sort of expanded, um, where anyone was could become a member. Um, he was actually funded by the um, um, the NSA, and and an even more far fetched rumor is that uh, Mark Zuckerberg is secretly um, uh, an NSA operative. Um, 
Edward Snowden, for example, talked about this notion of um, building a profile of people um, that the NSA do, like uh, this almost like this six degrees of separation um, to really sort of to find out about people and the people they associate with. So Facebook could be a great way of doing that. You find out about you, you look at the person, you look about who that person knows and who the person that that person knows knows and so forth and then you have a tangled web and you can build a picture and you can you can you know um build build associations very quickly uh using a tool established associations very quickly i should say using a tool such as facebook um other rumors as well about it's a spying device like the facebook app apparently records you and and i've been a victim of this as well i've, I've honestly i've been on on facebook not for social reasons, but been on some sort of support thing for a product or whatever. They've, they've got a Facebook page and the app is open. And I'm having a conversation, a private conversation with someone. Um, and I've not mentioned it to anyone else. And this could be about a product or, or, or a location. Someone may want to go on holiday or whatever. And then the next thing you know, I'm bombarded with ads. And I honestly have not Googled this thing or place um i haven't mentioned it to anyone i haven't registered for anything and i'm aware if you use something like gmail your email is scanned anyway nope i haven't actually done anything um but somehow i'm getting targeted ads about that very thing that i discussed and um it's bizarre and, and there is a conspiracy theory that um facebook the facebook app when it's in use does actually record you it switches on your phone's microphone and it records you to be fair has anyone actually read the term the lengthy terms and conditions when signing up to these services we don't none of us do um so it does make you wonder in fact there is um a famous youtube video actually uh that went pretty viral and i'm going to put a link to it in the show notes i don't know if it's a hoax but it's a guy actively demonstrating um how facebook eavesdrops on you when you when you have the app open and he experienced this because he was talking um to his wife about cat food i believe and and you know shortly after that conversation he's bombarded with targeted ads about cat food so he's actually demonstrating this and he claims that he has um you know never searched for cats or cat food and this was merely a conversation he was having with his wife or his girlfriend. Um, and somehow that has translated into um, targeted ads um, about cat food. And that's actually quite scary if that's actually the case. But Facebook have, 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 did actually respond to this one. They did, denied it, saying that the um, the mic on the Facebook app is only ever used if you're, you know, you've, you've given facebook the facebook app permission to use it which you normally do at the point of installation i might add um or um if you are using a facebook app that might require use of the mic or if you're doing an activity that might require the use of a mic such as recording a video but then again you know what facebook always denies these things who knows what's going on behind the scenes and every time there's an update and every time hey we need you to agree to the terms and conditions again as i've said we don't read it so um yeah so yeah have a look. Have a look at the video. Link in the show notes again. Um, and let me know what you think. Another thing to be concerned about is, and, and this is um, less conspiracy but more grounded in, in real evidence, is um, that Facebook basically um, auto-tags you. 
um, and uses facial recognition to identify you without your consent. Um, they call it tag suggestions. Um, and the way they describe it is it helps people automatically tag their friends in photos based on data the site has stored to recognize their faces. And Facebook have purchased a number of um, facial recognition um, companies. They did in 2012 and they did a, uh, an, another one in 2016. I don't know if there's been any more since, um, but they're certainly taking a, a, a real interest in in this using this technology, I would say, not just to convenience its users and to say, oh, well, we, know, we, have, you know, we can easily tag friends in a photo. No, they spent serious money, um, you know, millions of dollars. Um, you know, the first one was purchased for $60 million um, um, on these acquisitions and clearly they have something else in mind. So this leads me on to the hashtag delete Facebook movement. And this um, started on Twitter um, as a response to obviously the scandal that is unfolding before us. And it was essentially a post by Brian Acton. And Brian Acton is actually one of the founders of WhatsApp. And as I mentioned, um, Facebook purchased WhatsApp in 2014. Quite a lot of money, actually. I think $16 billion, some crazy amount. Um, so Brian Acton's one of the co-founders. And he responded to this on his Twitter feed. And he has quite, quite a lot of followers. Um, and he simply said, it's time. Hashtag delete Facebook. And this has spread like wildfire. So this has started, like I said, it started a movement where a whole bunch of people on the Twitter platform um, have been expressing um, expressing their points of view and expressing a, a desire for to, to leave to leave Facebook to leave the Facebook platform in light of what's happened. Um, and a, a lot of people are sharing um, the delete Facebook uh, or dump Facebook hashtag. And some of the comments include, you know, I'll read some of the comments like Facebook was our hands on partners. Without Facebook, we wouldn't have won. Facebook really and truly put us over the edge. Facebook was the medium that proved most successful for this campaign. And that campaign being the election um, of Donald Trump to the presidency of the United States. So, um you know, a lot of people are are starting to notice, are starting to take action, are starting to really think about: Is it worth it? Is is are the conveniences that Facebook supposedly provide me with worth sacrificing my privacy? Worth um, for for all shady organisations to build profiles about me and for me to be manipulated um, with essentially propaganda and fake news. Um, so I don't know if you have joined that delete Facebook movement. You probably already know, have an idea about how I feel about it. I'm all for it. I think Facebook needs to be done and dusted. I think people need to open their eyes about um, their um, their digital presence on on, on on the internet. And like I said, you know, this is us. This is this makes us who who we are. It's our personalities, our friends, it's our families, our connections. It's 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 where we work. It's where we eat. It's everything about us us it shouldn't be passed around and it shouldn't be sold on the other hand um and and i found this on the on, on the bbc article um some, someone posted a very interesting comment on twitter on the flip side saying that as a response to the whole delete facebook movement that uh, if you want to delete facebook go ahead 
just know that it's a privilege. For much of the world, Facebook is the internet and the only way to connect to family, friends and businesses. That's why it's important to have a real discussion on Facebook's security, privacy issues. Um, and there's a comment also from a spokeswoman from Privacy International, who they are, warning that uh, privacy concerns extend beyond Facebook as data, your personal data, has been exploited all of the time. So obviously there's a greater discussion to be had and, you know, Facebook can't be blamed for all the uh, the, um, the privacy violations that take place um, on, on the internet and there are a lot of other players at work. But um, going back to that comment about how for much of the world Facebook is the internet, that's it, that makes it all the more scary, I think. And only serves to prove the point that I think it's about time that this uh, social network, with all the power and influence that it has, needs to be put in check. Now, um, I'm going to wrap up by telling you guys who actually do, who are considering deleting your Facebook accounts, how to do it. Because it's actually not very straightforward, but if you follow these instructions, you'll be good to go. Now, Facebook don't make it clear as to how you can delete your account. The thing that they tend to mention and, and make a little bit more clear is the option of deactivating your account. Now, there's a, there's a big difference here. Um, when you deactivate your account, um, people essentially won't be able to see your timeline or, or, or search for you. Um, messages will still be visible to others. Um, and this is something that you can reactivate whenever you want. So the idea is Facebook are hoping that you will eventually give in and return to them. Now, if you want to delete your account, once it's gone, it is presumably gone. Um, and Facebook got their way to say that um, after they get a, an account deletion request, they delay action for a few days. Again, because they want you to reconsider, I'm guessing. Um, and if you have requested for your account to be deleted, but you so happen to log back into Facebook, um, the, deletion, the deletion request is cancelled. Now, there's a little bit of a snag here because um, if, for example, you have applications that tap into Facebook, your Facebook login, so if you've used... Um, Facebook to authenticate yourself into various other applications on your phone or whatever, or you have the Facebook app on your phone, or you just happen to have a browser window open um, in, the, in the background um, that is still logged into Facebook after you've sent that request, then Facebook would assume that, will interpret that rather as, okay, you've logged into the service, you don't want to delete it so if you do want to delete it um, just make sure you've logged out of every Facebook application every application that uses Facebook to authenticate yourself um, in actual fact just delete the Facebook app completely um, and you know interestingly enough once the deletion request has gone through it takes Facebook for some reason up to 90 days to apparently delete all the data stored in its systems and backup systems um, now again, friends will still have access to messages that you have sent. Um, and Facebook also say, you'll be careful with this, that copies of some material, um, may remain in their database, but they are disassociated from personal identifiers. So 
does your data really disappear? I don't know. But um, that's the best you can do at this stage in if you want rid of Facebook is to actually delete your account. So the way to go about it is different. Though. Now, I did sidetrack a bit. Um, so to deactivate your account, it's fairly straightforward. And on, on the Facebook page, you go to settings, manage your account, deactivate your account, boom, done. Okay, deleting is a little bit different. If you want to permanently delete your account, you have to contact Facebook. You have to contact them. And there is a very specific link you need to uh, click on to do so. Um, and um, what I will do in the show notes, I'll, I'll place a link to the page that you need to go to because it is buried in Facebook. It's, it's, it's not obvious to find. Um, and then you follow that link and then you click on the button to delete your account. And they'll probably ask why you want to do it, but then you can just go ahead and do it. So that's what you need to do to rid yourself of Facebook. And again, you know, I don't want to come across as negative and I've spent this podcast attacking Facebook, but I, I, I wouldn't blame you. I, I would give the thought of getting rid of Facebook serious consideration and you certainly would not be the only one in doing so. Well, that's about all the time we have for um, this is edition of The Intersection. Um, thanks for listening. Um, ironically enough, if you want to follow us, you can do so on Facebook. Our page is facebook.com slash intersectioncast. But on a serious note, um, I mean, you can follow us that way if you want. But on a serious note, you can also follow us in other, other, other ways too. Um, if you haven't yet subscribed to us, please do so. You'll find us listed in all major podcast directories, um, including iTunes. We're also available on TuneIn Radio. Um, if you want to use that other social network, Twitter, to follow us, um, our Twitter account is at Let's Intersect. If you want to drop us a Skype message, um, you can drop, drop some comments, any feedback, any questions, anything you want us to do, any suggestions at all as to um, where to take the podcast going forward, uh, please do so. Our Skype account is feedback at intersectioncast.com. Dot com, and you can use that same um, address there to email us directly. Well, thanks again for joining us. It's Jonathan Warman signing off another edition of The Intersection. And until the next time, that's a wrap. The Intersection. The intersection.